Continuing in our discussion on the role of the Old Testament law in the life of the believer today, I wanted to address a couple of specific texts. I don't deny the fact that there are Mosaic law statements that are still in force today, but what I'm claiming is that the ones that are in force are the ones that are restated in the New Testament. That it's not a carte blanche, everything in the Old Testament is still in force unless explicitly rejected by the New Testament, but the other direction, which is that the Old Testament law that is still in force today are the ones that are explicitly restated in the New Testament. This is an important distinction because there's some basic Old Testament law requirements that if we leave open to anything not explicitly rescinded in the New Testament about Old Testament law, then we're open to all kinds of things, including things like clothing. I mean, the, the whole uh, mixed fabric issue. We have leprosy rules that would then be followed. Uh, you find black mold in your house, you know, things like that. There's a lot of uh, things about parental discipline of children that would still be enforced, these kinds of things. And so I wanna, I wanna back up by just saying this. If we look at Old Testament law and what has been explicitly set aside in the New Testament, I think it does give us some input into our view of the entire legal obligation of Mosaic law to the New Testament believer now. And let's start with the most basic of Old Testament legal requirements, and that's the issue of the right of circumcision. The reason this is so fundamental is that it's not just a part of the Mosaic law, but it goes all the way back to Abraham. In fact, it's the first real religious right for the Jewish people. Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, uh, he launches into his life of faith. You know, he believes in God and the circumcision becomes the outward mark of that faith. Even by the time of Moses, you remember when Moses is heading back to Egypt in order to liberate the people, God confronts him because Moses hadn't circumcised his own son. It's as if God's saying, you're gonna go lead Jewish people and you're this most fundamental thing you haven't even done with your own child, this is not gonna work. Uh, you're going to be rejected. And so circumcision, which then is restated on exactly how it will take place with, throughout the Mosaic Law. By the time we get to the New Testament, we know circumcision is a huge deal. Paul brings it up. He talks about he's a Pharisee, a Jew of Jews. He's of other tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day. Paul brings that up as a mark of authenticity about the credentials as a Jewish person. So we know circumcision is a big deal for Jewish people even at the time of Christ. Romans chapter 2 uh, invokes it as well. Uh, we see it then come up about what about Gentiles? Because if someone's putting their faith in Christ who's not Jewish and they come out of a Gentile background at the time of Paul, circumcision was not commonly practiced among the Greco-Roman world. And the question was, okay, if they become a believer in Christ Jesus, should now not the most natural thing to do is the most fundamental thing to do, which would be to have them circumcised. The most fundamental rite of passage into Judaism was circumcision. Dietary rules and clothing and Sabbath observance, these things are all secondary to something as fundamental as circumcision. This was what marked someone as a child of Abraham. And then we have Paul, chastising the Gentiles at Galatia for, hey, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus and then you get circumcised, you're acting as if the law is still in place. And if you get circumcised, then grace is no longer of use to you. You now gotta go back and perfectly keep the law. And I think this argument is important. It's not just an argument about circumcision itself because we find Paul expanding beyond circumcision. He didn't say, well, if you do circumcision, you're denying grace. Uh, but he goes further than that, and this is what he says. Behold, I, Paul, say to you, if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. 
And I testify again to every man, whoever receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. Paul's point is, if you pick even just this one piece of Old Testament law, circumcision, you say, well, okay, maybe we don't have to do the dietary thing because Jesus rescinds that in Mark chapter 7, but we still have the circumcision thing. And if you're a good follower of God, circumcision has to happen. Paul makes the case, if you receive circumcision, now you're obligated to keep the whole law. Implication is, just so you know, the very thing I've told you, you're free from the obligation of the Old Testament law. If you're going to buy into just that one piece of it, you're going to buy into the whole thing. And that seems to me to be an argument not only that parts of the Mosaic Law are set aside now or have been rescinded explicitly. We have this statement about circumcision being uh, set aside. He's saying to Gentile individuals, you have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. You are seeking to be justified. Some people say, well, he's just talking about salvation. He's just saying, no, these are individuals who are seeking to get salvation through circumcision. But the context isn't that. The context is he's writing to Gentile believers who've been walking with Christ, who bearing the fruit of the Spirit, these kinds of things. Someone came along and said, well, you're not completely walking with Christ because you've also got to be circumcised. They go, oh, wow, really? They get circumcised. And Paul's like, you're not under the obligation of the law. You're under the obligation of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is not circumcision, dietary rules, clothing, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These kinds of things that are not law-driven, but are spirit-driven. And we should at least begin with the premise that not every aspect of Old Testament law is still in force because we have the explicit set-aside of circumcision. And then I think by implication, there's fallout from that into the rest of the Old Testament law.